Laura Unsworth, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Alan Forsyth, and you're listening to Half Court Press podcast. You are listening to the Half Court Pre- podcast with Tess Howard. This is Gary Wright from Wright Performance, and you're currently listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello, and welcome to season two of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, Behind the Kit Bag, we take a look at the world of sport from a different angle. Each episode will bring you a story from somebody who has a non-playing role within the sport of their choice. My name is Teo McLeod and I will be with you for each and every interview. Episode number four takes a look at the career of somebody who is a member of the hockey media. Taf Ahmed is the editor and founder of the Hockey Family website, as well as the host of the Talk Hockey Radio podcast. Mr. Taf Ahmed. Hello there. How are you getting on? I'm good, thank you. How are you getting Yeah, thanks again for... For, for your time. Um, That's fine, sorry. Now, I've asked you on here because you have quite a diverse background in sport, shall we say? Uh, uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's, it's hockey predominantly, isn't it? Um, yeah. But it's, uh, you're a, you're a, you're from you know, a variety of different threads here. You're, you're a triple thread in terms of you 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 coach, you volunteer, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, courtside, and you and you are part of the uh, media elite. Well, kind of maybe <laughs> if you can call it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, my, my background is like you say, mostly hockey. Uh, I've done. Um, to be to be honest with you, when I first started coaching, it was actually basketball. Um, and I, when I got into hockey, when I was when I went into uh, college, that's basically where I where I started doing my hockey there, uh, and got coaching a little bit after that. Yep. So yeah, we, I've done a lot of sports. Um, oh look, basketball. Now I've met yeah. you, Tav. You're about five foot six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Were you were you playing as a sport? What other sports um, were you playing with growing up, sort of thing? Yeah, when I was younger, obviously um, I played a little bit of football at school. Um, was in the you know school football team uh, for a while. Uh, didn't like it too much, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, did a bit of cricket as well, obviously in the summer. Um, the prompt to get you into into the sport of of, of kings really Uh, this was before you know books happened and before you know into college at 
hockey actually happened as well. Um, so we just basically took it on ourselves to actually arrange hockey games um, with other colleges, with other colleges, and um, that's how I got into it. Uh, uh, I've almost back since, I think. Awesome. So it was through it's through college and and university then. Yeah, yeah. Um, not quite university. I did go to university uh, as per se. To be honest with you, um, I once I finished college, I got myself a job uh, with the local council doing hockey coaching um, in um, so like schools around the area and, uh, and in the Great Manchester area as well. Um, where that's where I live basically. Uh, and didn't actually go to university. I just basically did like um, like a foundation course, you know, like uh, outside of um, so like uh, outside of university kind of thing. Uh, not homeschooling, but yeah, I, can't, I can't think of the word now. Um, basically, <laughs> basically external studying sort of thing. What was the uh, subject? Uh, it was uh, actually sports. Uh, I did um, I did A level sports um, in college um, with a little bit of Spanish, which I've forgotten most of uh, now, um, and did some English as well. So uh, those are the kind of things I did. Um, uh, and to be honest, like I said, you know, after I finished college, um, I just went to uh, employment really. How how did the Sports education change your perspective on things. Did it change your perspective on sport? Um, did it change my perspective on sport? No, it, it, it gave me a bit more of an insight. I think you know that's that's the kind of person I am. I, I hopefully um, quite inquisitive. I like to know things. Being a coach, obviously, that helps. <laughs> um, and whilst I was basically studying, I was I was. You know, learning a lot about uh, the the organisational side of, uh, of sports, um, and then hopefully brought that forward into what I do now. When when I've coached, I I I feel like I've I've learned more about the game because I've had to think it think about it, break it down. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, when you're coaching, you're always learning. I I I. I find that I'm always learning. I mean, I've been coaching now for, oh my God, um, if I work this out, it's going to make me sound very old, uh, <laughs> for about 30 odd years. Um, and even to this day, I'm still learning new things and new things are coming out, you know, in, in, in sports, especially in hockey with the, the evolution of the rules and, you know, uh, the, the speed of the game and how, how to actually coach various things there was the, the you know the, the coaching aspect of, of hockey has changed as well I think over, over time how so um, it's got it's got a bit more technical hasn't it really I, I personally I think it has anyway um, players want to know a little bit more about techniques and how to improve them uh, themselves whereas it, when I first started it was like yeah this is how you hit the ball right and they just went out and played and you know they, they hit the ball and they went out and played or, or slapped it or you know pushed it or whatever you, you coached them but they weren't exactly interested in what the technique side of it was if you, if you understand what I mean you demonstrated you got them perfecting it but they want, they didn't want to think about the breakdown of it if you, want, if you know what I mean mm. these days I think it's more or more to do with our athletes and players want to know Want to want a breakdown of how to do certain things now, um, a lot more than they did when I first started. I actually, I don't know. I don't know whether I, that was just my my experience or whether other people experienced the same thing or not. What what are the what do you think that the pros and cons to that are? With regards to the, the breakdown of technique, I know, I know, uh, I know. In football, for example, there's now a, a, a conversation within the coaching um, industry that we're, we're producing robots a little bit. We can be a bit too controlling about how they perform uh, certain um, techniques. Performance is different than technique, isn't it, really? I, I, I think you can, you can coach 
specific technique, as in, you know, like how to do the hits and how to do a slap or how to do a push right. Um, but the performance side of it, when they're on the pitch, I don't really control it that much, to be honest with you. I break it down into, you know, the, the players um, coming back to me and sort of saying, well, this is, this is what I think went wrong and this is what I think. Uh, we did right, and then I, I give them feedback, yes, I agree with that, or no, I don't agree with that, I thought you did that really well, but, you know, um, and there are there are coaches out there that like to be very controlling, and, and they want things to go exactly the way they planned, but, but in, a, in a fluid game like hockey, football, you know, even cricket or whatever, you, you really can't do that, you can't predict what the opposition is going to do. Um, what you can do is, to your best of, best of your ability, can can basically turn around and sort of like say, right, look, um, this is what they were doing in the first half or whatever quarter, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, and this is what we should start doing to counter that. Um, and hopefully the, the players will, will take that on board and, and, and do what you say. But How? you can't force them to do it, to be fair. How much, how much of self-analysis do you think is a, a player needs, and at what age age group? I, I think start from start from the beginning. Start from right 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 at the start of their hockey careers or or their football careers or whatever. Um, I think you need with my two kids now at the moment. Uh, I've got two humans. Uh, I coach them hockey. They play hockey. And now and again, when I get a chance to actually take them to a to a, a training session, and you know, whilst they're being coached by other coaches, and I, I don't interfere in that. I when they come back and I and I question, you know, say, oh, how how do you think it went? How did you do? What did you think? What did you find difficult? That sort of thing. And they're already self evaluating their performance, you know, and they're you know, they're, they're one of them six and the other one's ten. Okay. And they'll be like, yeah, well, I couldn't hit, hit properly, so why did, why can't you do that properly? Was it because you weren't listening, or was it because uh, it was quite hard, or, you know, do, do you see what I mean? So I, I question them, and they evaluate themselves. And then I turn around and I say, well, if you did it this way, would you think it worked better? Are you holding your stick right? Are you, um, are you in a good position to hit the ball? You know, is your body position right? Were you actually listening to the coach properly? That sort of thing. Um, and if, if we can actually take that forward into when they're older as well, then that's exactly what we should be doing. We should, we should be doing evaluating ourselves. As a coach, I do that all the time. I always evaluate training sessions. I plan training sessions out um, and obviously deliver them. Sometimes they work exactly the way I want them to work, and sometimes it doesn't. And, and when it doesn't, we, we've got to be in the... In the mindset to actually change it a little bit so that it does work, um, and the same goes with with self uh, evaluating. I think we should self evaluate because we'll, we'll we'll learn by doing that. We'll learn more by doing that than somebody telling us what we've done wrong. And if you've got you've got one coach on the sideline, you've got eleven players on on the field. We can't watch every single one of you and give you feedback for every single one. We try, <laughs> but it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, every coach has a little little uh, puppet master inside of them which uh, struggles during matches. <laughs> it's uh, But yeah, it's impossible to control every single player. So you, for me, I think you need to... Uh, is that to encourage the self uh, self analysis, the the thought process processes themselves, but there's yeah. perhaps which I'm getting in from what you're saying as well, maybe a sliding scale according to age group, age category. Yeah. Yeah. The younger that, hopefully, um, the, uh, the the perhaps a bit more a bit more direction when when they're younger and then less direction when they're older and if it, if it, it you know it should be it should be a progressive thing of course if oh, it, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I, I totally agree obviously there's, there's got to be more input when they're actually younger and as they get to understand things then we we sort of like start 
you know, trying to get them to understand it a little bit more themselves and us basically dictating to them. Of course, you know, if you're an app, if you're 25 years old and an absolute beginner, it's a slightly different process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, right, uh, I'd like to move on, if you don't mind, to your yeah, role sure. as a hockey maker. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what would you like to know? Uh, what is a hockey maker? All oh, right, okay, so basically, a hockey maker is um, England Hockey's brand. Uh, to identify hockey volunteers, um, especially in their domestic and um, international events. Um, rather than calling them hockey volunteers, they are called hockey makers who basically just give up their time to do international events like the Pro League uh, in recent times. And obviously the um, international events that we've had in the past as well, like the Euros and um, and the World Cup and, and things like that. Um, so that's basically what a hockey maker is, just a volunteer really, um, giving up their time to actually deliver, deliver a, um, you know, a, a world-class event. You they do really well. <laughs> you have quite a cool role though, don't you? You, I mean, you, you get pitch sides. What is it exactly <laughs> that you do? Uh, right, for myself, I, uh, I'm what they call a team leader officer. Um, but I also lead the team and liaison officer team. So let's say, for instance, we have you know uh, six or twelve or however many teams we have. Um, I will basically lead those teams, um, team leaders, you know, team liaison officers, in the sense that um, if they've got questions about what their role entails, they'll basically come to me. But more so, more often than not, over the years, um, we've we've got similar sort of people doing the same role so they're all very very experienced so they don't really come to me i don't have to do that much really uh, and what it really entails is we're basically go between uh, between let's say england hockey and the team that's uh, coming over to take part in a in an international or uh, domestic event um so we look after them and make sure that they're stay here is comfortable if there's any problems we will sort those problems out um we make sure that their transport is sorted out from their hotels to to the venue um working very closely with uh, the team managers um to make sure that you know uh, if they if they need to book a hotel, uh, book a restaurant or whatever we can find a, a local restaurant that they want to go to and try and get that sorted out for them. Uh, if they want certain things for their athletes, try and see if we can actually get that for them as well. Any reasonable request, really, we can possibly accommodate. Um, You're a fixer. Sorry? You're a fixer. You fix things. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, fixer and, like, host. Let's say, let's say we're a host for, for the team, really. Um, we are there to make sure that they have a good time. Uh, as well as you know, on, uh, you know, if they're on the pitch, then yes, yeah, brilliant. They're going to have a good time. Hopefully, you know, if they win or <laughs> whatever. Um, but when they come off the pitch, that things are sorted out for like their change rooms, like their uh, the kits in the right place, or whatever, um, and their transports ready for them to go back to the hotel and things like that. Any any good stories? Trying to, trying to, you know, go above and beyond 
what we normally would do to make sure that they they're okay. What was your first tournament, and what, what was your favourite? Oh my god! Uh, okay, my first tournament was uh, in two thousand and seven when we hosted uh, the Euros um, in Manchester, which was my first proper international uh, event for England hockey. At that time, we were called uh, the Euro Crew. The Euro Crew. <laughs> um, yeah, the Euro Crew, <laughs> uh, which obviously changed into the Hockey Makers. Um, that was in 2007, um, and I was a, a, you know, I was lucky enough to actually get a team liaison officer role there as well, um, and um, I've not looked back ever since. So I think I've done every single international event uh, that we've had since then, um, and I think I've done a, a lot of indoor as well. So the national indoors. It does that happen, uh, Super Six and things like that, even the Super Fives when it was around. Yeah, what do you prefer, Six Aside or Five Aside? I think Six Aside is, is probably the, the game, and it should stay that way to be honest with you, I think Five Aside is, is one less person, do you know what I mean? And, and I think, you know, Australia doing hockey fives aren't they at the moment um, we tried it here um, and it didn't actually work although it was a you know FIH thing that, uh, that was uh, implemented um, I, I just don't think it works five side doesn't work I, I don't know I don't know what it, what it is about five side that doesn't work but I just don't feel it, it works and, uh, you know with, with, with regards to goals and, and things like that in comparison, there weren't many more goals. If you know what I mean. I was, I was watching about the engine uh, league that was on uh, a couple of yeah. months ago, two three months ago. Um, the defenders were getting becoming quite flat footed, having to run, and because yeah. there's one one few defender basically, they were getting quite caught flat footed, and then it seemed to be quite a lot of work to for the attackers to then take advantage of that even though they're yeah. flat footed they were getting the long shots getting sent through them but yeah. we, but it was for example I think there was like, a, like an attack and a breakdown a counter attack and a breakdown a counter attack and then a breakdown and by that point the, the, for, the forwards who were having to go up and then down again and then up again were, yeah. were going Right, I'm just going to hit it, you know, twenty yeah. yards, and yeah. so you see, it, it it became less of a spectacle because having to do extra running to do the defensive stuff, and then doing the extra running to do it for the attacking as well. So it, it was, it, for me, it was it was breaking down the aesthetic, both yeah. defensively and in, a, in an attacking sense. And, uh, maybe that that's it. That, maybe that's that's the that's what didn't work. To be to be fair, it wasn't. It wasn't as quick as we thought it was going to be, and um, there weren't that many more goals in, in comparison anyway. And I think the six the six to five game basically works for me um, in the pitch that we have anyway. Um, I just I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. I don't know. I can't put my finger on why I don't like five to five hockey. Just can't. I don't know. Maybe maybe you know we'll have another interview and. I can sort of like evaluate why I don't like fives. Uh, maybe I need to watch uh, the uh, hockey fives of Australia and see what see what they've uh, they coming on. Don't 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 encourage the FIH to put on any more hockey fives though. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to watch anymore. I think I think you've figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I don't think we'll we'll, we'll ever revert to fives. I think it's probably just going to be a um, a regional thing if it is going to be uh, anything. Because you know, the FIH tried it, and um, a lot, they got a lot of you know feedback to say it wasn't working or whatever. And then you know, it's been changed to six side again. So uh, I don't think they'll revert back to five side anytime soon, anyway. So your 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 triple thread, your, the third of the triple thread of TAF, is yeah. you are the editor of the Hockey Family. 
so give us a little uh, give us a little insight into what the hockey family is. Okay, well, the hockey family um, is well. It was set up as a um, when I first started. It was set up as a just a social media platform to um, spread the word of hockey, um, primarily in, in in the UK. Really, um, started off as a personal um, personal um, account, uh, which was just me basically promote, trying to promote ho- uh, hockey and what clubs were doing. Uh, where people could actually go and do tournaments and um, and and um, basically um, it evolved to the hockey family, uh, which now has you know social media accounts on uh, you know all the usual uh, platforms like uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and also have a website now where we do opinion articles and, and, and also cover international events where we can. Including some fantastic coverage of uh, the 2018 World Cup. Yeah, well, I'd like to think we did. We covered that um, pretty extensively. We covered some of the... Um, uh, um, hockey series events as well um, around well I think it was um, oh my god I, uh, you know what it's not coming to me now um, Euros Euro hockey yeah well yeah that as well you know uh, um, like I said we've, we've covered the Euro hockey we've covered uh, the World Cup as well um, covered some of the domestics and also uh, some pro league as well uh, in last year so hopefully we can expand on that and, and, and you know to be honest with you it's all the work of the volunteer writers none of the writers that we've got get paid um, they do it because they love the sport and I'm quite thankful for that um, because they, they've helped make the hockey family what it actually is at the moment anyway um, did it, did, did and it, it's expanded didn't Melina do a little thing on the Pan Americans as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we've we've got um, um, a, a lovely girl called Melina who uh, lives in South America, and she runs our uh, Pan American Hockey Family uh, social media account, um, and she's again doing a really good job. She covered uh, Pan Americans uh, down there for us. Uh, again, you know, all. all Volunteer work, haven't got paid. Um, I would love to honestly, you know, uh, pay the writers that I've got, and hopefully uh, that's uh, coming soon. Fingers crossed. Uh, there's some uh, things in the background that I'm working on um, that might help me to, you know, reward my writers. Should I say, not pay them, but reward them? Because <laughs> I don't think they do it for, for the payment. They they do it because they love. How do you think hockey is portrayed uh, both in the mainstream and non-mainstream media? Oh, mainstream media is getting a little bit better. Um, in the UK, well, ever since the, uh, the, the uh, GB women uh, won gold, um, it's got a lot better. Uh, you know, it's a bit more of a profile for, for hockey uh, in England. Um there is still a lot of work to be done because uh, our, you know, terrestrial TV channels don't really um, show a lot of hockey, uh, whether it's domestic or even international. You know, we are getting there. You know, BBC is doing a, a, an all right job of actually covering a lot of the international events that we do uh, now, uh, like the Pro League and you know other events that we did in, in the past. Um, but you know. Mainstream, we need we need more we need more uh, exposure for sure, um, and I think non-mainstream. Well, you say we we were non-mainstream because obviously you know the hockey the hockey family isn't the mainstream media uh, outlet. Uh, you've got people like you know Hockey World News and uh, and you know um, the Reverse Tip podcast who are trying to help promote uh, 
about the game as well. Um, they do a great job, and I think all of us in co- combined are helping to improve the profile of hockey, even in the mainstream as well. Oh, you've, you've forgotten to mention Rod Gilbert over at the Hockey Paper. Yeah, that as well. Sorry, him as well. Yeah. <laughs> There does seem to be at the at the top level uh, a move towards professionalism or at least semi-professionalism in in hockey writing in this non non mainstream media outlets. Yeah, yeah. there seems to be some um, money fighting around, but I'm not sure exactly how much. Like a family of hockey players. If only there's yeah. a ter- if only there's a term for that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was recently chatting to Paul Elliott, who's the communications manager um, over at Scottish Hockey. Yeah. Uh, he he's he's been working recently with BBC um, streaming services. Get yeah. like uh, get the international matches uh, online. Yeah. Uh, so he sent a camera down and a, and, a, and a presenter and a commentator, and uh, like they 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 stream the the, the live feed. Yeah. Uh, that was going on at the B Grade Europeans, the Euro Hockey Championships two in Glasgow uh, last year. Uh, yeah, sort Yeah, which is which I, which I think is is you know it it it's, it's the Positives of having an internet, you know, a, a, a working internet now, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. What, now, what do you think is is the direction that needs to happen now? Is it promoting international hockey as in the A grade uh, elite hockey at international level or domestic hockey? Um, 
where they live stream some of their games. Um, and then again, you know, these guys are probably just volunteers, club volunteers that are actually using the social media platform like, you know, um, Facebook Live or, or, or Instagram Live or whatever, Instagram TV or something like that, um, and streaming their games, which again is quite good uh, in, in the respect of uh, promoting the game and, and promoting their clubs. And maybe that's a, a part of the way to go, that way to start off with before we can actually go into mainstream. I personally think unless more money is put into um, hockey, um, we're not going to get in, we're not going to get domestic games in, in, in the mainstream. We could start off with like the Premier League, uh, the National League. Sorry, uh, Premier League, uh, the National League, and, and, and maybe get them tele- televised. But again, it's the cost, isn't it? I think uh, to get our sport on mainstream media, it's it's a lot. It's really expensive. It's not unfortunately not unlike football, where you know the BBC will bid for. Um, you know, Sky will bid for um, the rights to, to to televise them, or or even Virgin will do that, or whatever. Uh, we're not at that stage yet. Uh, we unfortunately have to pay for our own uh, exposure <laughs> at the moment. Um, but you know, we're getting there. Uh, again, it's better than it was five, ten years ago. Uh, and if it can improve quickly and quicker, um, I think. You know, in, in five or ten years' time, we might see National League hockey on TV at the moment. But, I mean, you know, Euro hockey is doing a great job as well. Again, uh, live streaming their um, Euro hockey league uh, on their website and, and social media accounts and things like that. So maybe that's the way to go for now. Uh, and then hopefully the, the sponsors or would be sponsored will we'll see how good hockey is. Um, maybe put some money into it. We are apparently the third most played sport, team sport in the world. Apparently. So, the, I believe it's the hockey paper, and I definitely know that the Reverse Stick podcast are, are very keen to promote uh, the, uh, the idea of supporting your first team. They, th- they think that the t- these two things are related. They think the sponsorship will only come if we're getting enough people down there at the games creating an atmosphere. Ah, but yeah, yeah. Um, so you mean for the domestic games, yeah. or so like club games and things like that. Yeah, um, I saw that campaign and I, I thought, yeah, it, it's a good start, you know, uh, to try and get people down to their first team games or whatever. But I think, it's, I don't think it should just be about first team games, if you know what I mean. I think it should be you know, come down and watch the home games, whatever home games are playing, being played uh, at the venue, and more often than not, you know, it's um, they do it on a alternate um, thing at sort of most clubs where the first, the men's first team are on uh, one weekend and the, the um, away the weekend after, and um, it's reversed for the women. Um, and obviously, there are second or third team teams playing after or before that. Maybe getting people down and, and make it a little bit more of an, an event, um, you know, that might be a good way to go. As in, you know, come down and watch, the, you know, all the games. Like, let's watch the first team ladies and watch the third team ladies and the second team ladies if they're at home or whatever teams. Um, but it, it's a start. Like I said, it's a start to get you know people coming down to watch the first team games. And hopefully they'll stick around and watch the second team games or any other games that are going on as well. Um, I, I, I would like to see more people down and support their local clubs. And I, I think if you're a part of that club, more often than not, you are actually down there rather uh, either earlier or later. Um, but I don't think there's enough supporters who don't actually play hockey that come that don't that come down to um, to games. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and it's free as well. I mean, uh, clubs don't even charge. You, you, you would go, you know, go and see a local uh, football um, club or whatever. Um, you would probably get charged for it or whatever. Um, not not like leagues or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about. 
um, you know, town clubs and uh, uh, things like that. But um, I think if we made it into an, a, a bit of an event, a weekly event, you know, um, maybe put on food, maybe there's always a bar there anyway. <laughs> if, you, if you've got a clubhouse, there's the bar there, there's food there, make it a bit of a club, uh, uh, you know, uh, an event. Um, but again, it, we don't get many supporters down that don't play hockey for the club and just like the sport. If we can get those people down, that'd be amazing. Well, I think I think I wrote an article for you, Taff, about a year ago, along the lines of, even if you don't have a clubhouse, get a deal with your local school. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's, that's, you know, we, we, I think we talked about it, yeah, you're right. We have talked about it. You know, if you haven't got a clubhouse, then maybe like, like a little bit of a tent. Yeah. And I know we, we myself in the past, uh, with other clubs, we, when we've had junior tournaments going on, we have um, got, um, you know, like burgers, burgers on there. We've got a tent, which we've, which we've put, it up, uh, put up a gazebo, and we've actually uh, sold burgers and sold drinks and things like that. Uh, and it, uh, made it into an event, but that was a junior tournament sort of thing. Um, but I'm not sure how feasible, how easy it is for, for people to do that every single week. Because again, it's volunteers, isn't it? It's not people who get who are getting paid for doing that. It, um, you know, um, again, the money comes out of the club and then goes back into the club. So people that do it don't get paid for it. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, the idea, the idea I had was. If you're if you're renting a pitch from a local school, which would be the majority of clubs up and down the UK, get get the school and drama department involved, get them doing little twenty minute Shakespeare acts like before before the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, get, get get the lo- get the local get the school band down to yeah. play little 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 tune before before the match or half time, you know, little yeah. half time entertainment. You know, yeah, but that's a, that's a, that's a bit that's a bit of a bit of a big ask, isn't it, to do that every single week? Um, I think it, 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 it probably might work every so often, but yeah. I don't think that would work every single week. To be fair, um, again, it's it's time for you know the band members or the or the actors or whatever to do that sort of thing um, on a weekly basis, and some of them, you know, some of them might actually go to the school and actually play hockey. So. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it might it might not might not work, but every so often I think make it a big event. Yeah. Like let's say for instance, you know the the, the final game of the season or whatever, um, make it a big event. Home cup game. You know, like the like the first game of the season, last game yeah, before Christmas. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like a Christmas game, make it a big event, or make the last game of the season a big event, make the first game of the season a big event. If we start doing that, maybe we can actually have little events after that as well. I don't know. Again, like I said, it, it's difficult because a lot of the people that do these sort of things are volunteers. Um, and it's a big ask for them to actually go go over what they're actually doing now to promote the game and try and get people down. And say, well, you know, every, every so, so often, every month or every two months or whatever, you, you need to uh, create an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking it could be it could be a way to get um, if you come down to support your your, your kid in the local band or whatever. And it's oh, there's some hockey on at the same time. I might let's buy a burger or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if, if events like that are happening, maybe coincided with a hockey game as well. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's that's something that people. Right. Um, thoughts in the pro league. Thoughts in the pro league. Good. Good for the good for the game. But I think probably very strenuous on the athletes. <laughs> um, it was last year. Uh, this year probably not so much because the format's changed slightly. Um, where they have a home and away game on the same weekend or whatever. Um, so I think it's less of a strain this year than it was last year. And if that can be solidified and, and kept that way, we, we probably 
are looking at something that's going to be quite a good success. But the thing is, with regards to um, you know funding and things like that, it's it's a lot. I, I recently read that the uh, Hockey Roos lost some of their funding. Now, will that affect their uh, participation in the Pro League? Probably will do. So, 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 so um, how, the, how they cope with that then? So the professionalism uh, of the Pro League, the Pro bit of the Pro League, is costing teams money rather than bringing in more money? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I've not looked at the statistics with regards to um, whether it's, it's been profitable for some people or some uh, countries or not. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you because obviously, like I said, I'm not looking at statistics or all the re- revenue income for those those events. Um, but I, I, I honestly think that it's a, it's a big, big cost for you know the um, smaller countries uh, that are taking part. For for the more wealthy countries, it's not so much of a bit of a, of a problem. Um, and then again, it still might be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think the cost factor is is a lot. But again, I think it's good because it's getting uh, getting out there. People people who don't who don't follow hockey actually do know about pro league. I am finding. Um, you know, I go. I go around and when I've got my hockey kits on, oh, you play hockey. People ask me questions, you play hockey? Oh, yeah. Um, I've been watching the pro, pro league or I've, I've come across the pro league and things like that. And I think, oh, wow. So do you play? No, not really. But they know about the pro league, which is good, I think. Yes. <laughs> so I think with the social media aspect of it, like, you know, with, with regards to you know, Facebook and the FIH promoting it, or, uh, uh, over and over again, and, and people like myself, you know, avid uh, promoters of hockey, po- reposting it on their uh, news feeds and social media and, and whatever. People see it, they might get interested, they might click on the on the link and have a look uh, to see what it's all about, and, and hopefully, hopefully get get the bug <laughs> and get away from uh, football. Um, last question. Gold, silver, bronze medalists, men and women at the Olympics this year. Sorry? Who's going to finish top three for men and women in the Olympics this year? Oh, God. Uh, right. In front of me, I don't have who's, who's qualified. Um, but I think the, I think the usual uh, suspects will be there in the top three, to be, to be honest with you. Um, Pete, look, go out on a limb, Taff. Give me, give me gold, silver, and medal. Uh, give me gold, silver, and bronze. Gold, silver, and bronze. Oh God, you know you put me on the spot here. Um, okay, I, I, I think uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's a bit of a cross between uh, Argentina and Netherlands for the gold, uh, maybe even Germany. But Germany's not been playing extremely that well. Big shout. Big shock. Right. Big, big shout, I'm saying. I'm big shout. It is a big shout, yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- I think, you know, Argentina might be able to do it, but I, I think the way they've, they've been playing recently, probably not as strong as um, Belgium or uh, Netherlands at the moment. That's for the men. <sighs> for the women. Oh, God. Um, I think... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Netherlands again for the women. Although they uh, haven't been playing that well either. Um, right, Belgium. Uh, sorry, um, Netherlands for the women. Um, Germany for silver. <laughs> and. Um, I've just seen it for uh, the bronze again for that one. Ooh. Ooh. 
No, no GB. GB, uh, you know, although I love them and they are my team, <laughs> um, I think they're going to struggle because I, uh, because of how how things have evolved at the moment. But again, they could be they could be one of these you know uh, bogey teams. And I think you know if they play like I know they can play. They'll be in the top three, yeah. Yeah. But if they are playing inconsistently as they have been doing in the pro league at the moment, um, I don't think they're going to be in the top three. They may be in the top five or four, um, but I don't think they're going to be in the top three. And and and, and, and I hate to say that because I love them, <laughs> um, but I think yeah, that's going to be my call for that one. They'll be in the. I think they'll be in the top five though. I hope. Taf Ahmed? Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hope that was alright for you. <laughs> yeah. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod.